speech, hands, the feet, the genitals, the anus, the mind, sound, touch, form, taste, and smell. The unmanifest supreme personality merely glances at nature, material nature which is under the control of the Supreme Lord, then assumes the form of causes and effects and carries out the creation, maintenance and destruction of the material world. Even though the Purusha and Prakriti appear non-different to superficial vision, there is an ultimate difference between the two. The material creation is produced from the modes of Prakriti and its quality is transformation. Is transformation. <coughs> the living entities who are inimical to the Supreme Personality of Godhead take on and give up various kinds of material bodies through the agency of their own material work. But those who are ignorant of the self, because of being bewildered by illusion, do not understand this. The mind, which is filled with ideas of fruitive work, simply takes the senses with it from one body to another. While the soul follows along, nevertheless, on account of being totally absorbed in sense gratification, one cannot remember his past existence. The body undergoes nine stages of manifestations, which are brought about by association with the qualities of material nature. These are impregnation, gestation, birth, childhood, youth, maturity, middle age, old age, and death. From the death, of one's father and the birth of one's son, a person can easily comprehend the rise and fall of his own body. The soul who is the perceiver is different from this body. But when there is no knowledge of the true facts, the living entity, confused by the objects of sense gratification, achieves his destinations within the cycle of material existence. Thus, living entity continuously wander under the spell of material work, taking birth as a sage or demigod when he is predominated by the mode of goodness, among the demons or human beings when he is, predominant, when he is predominantly influenced by the mode of passion, and in the and the species of ghosts, spirits, or animals when he is predominated by the mode of ignorance. The spirit soul does not engage in the enjoyment of sense objects. Rather, it is the senses that perform this activity. Therefore, the living being has no actual need for sense gratification, sense gratificatory pleasure. With the exception of those peaceful personalities who have taken shelter of the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead are dedicated to the divine duty of his service. Everyone, including so-called learned scholars, 
is inevitably overcome by the all-powerful material nature. So, <clears throat> text one, two, three are put together and, and the purport has been given. I'll just read, okay, the text one has been written on the board, so we'll read it together. Shri Uddhava Uvacha Shri Uddhava Uvacha Kati Tatyani Vishesha Sankhatani Rishibhi Prabho Navaikadasa Pancha Trini Atta Tum Tum Iha Shushuma Shushuma Sri Uttava Uvacha Sri Uttava Uvacha Patita Tiani Vishesha Patita Tiani Vishesha Shankatani Rishibhi Prabhu Shankatani Rishibhi Prabhu Navaikadasa Panchatrini Navaikadasa Panchatrini Atharvam Iha Sushuma Atharvam Iha Sushuma Shri Uddhava Uvacha Shri Uddhava Uvacha Patitatyani Vishesha Patitatyani Vishesha Sankhatyanrishibhi Prabhu Sankhatyani Vishibhi Navaikadasa Panchatrini
actually non-contradictory since they are different methods of categorizing the same reality. Atheistic speculation or reality does not recognize the existence of God. Consequently, it is a worthless attempt to explain the truth. The Lord himself empowers different living entities to speculate and speak on reality in different ways. The actual reality, however, is the Lord himself who will now speak to Sri Muttava. Om Agyanati Mirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam Sthapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Bandeham Shri Guru Shri Jutapadakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamsha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunathan Nitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadhutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakhan Nitam हे कृष्णा करुणा सिंधो दीनबंधो जगतपते गोपेशा गोपिका कांत राधा कांत नमस्ते तप्तकांचना गोरांगी राधे वृंदावनेश्वरी वृषभानुसुते देवी प्रणमामी हरि प्रिये वंशा कल्पतरु भस्चा कृपा सिंधु भयेवचा Patitanam Bhavanityo Vaishnavityo Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhupadyanamada Shri Advaita Gadadha Shivashri Govaravattamanda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Shri Uthava Uvacha Kati Tatyane Vishesha Sankhatyan Vrishibhi Prabhu Navaikada Shopanchatrin Yatyatra Tamiha Shushuma Kejit Sarvimshatim Prabhur Apare Panchavimshatim Shaptaike Navashat Kejit Tattaya Jekada Shopare Kejit Shaptadasha Prabhu Shoroshoike Trayodasha Etavattyamhi Sankhanam Vishayajat Vivakshaya Gayanti Prithagayusman Idangno Bhaktum Arhashi Uddhava inquired, My dear Lord, O Master of the Universe, how many different elements of creation have been enumerated by the great sages? I have heard you personally describe a total of twenty-eight. God, the Jiva Soul, 
the Mahatattva, false ego, the five gross elements, the ten senses of the mind, the five subtle objects of perception and the three modes of nature. But some authorities say that there are 26 elements, while others cite 25 or else 7, 9, 6, 4 or 11. And even others say that there are 17, 16 or 13. What did each of these sages have in mind when he calculated the creative elements in such different ways? O Supreme Eternal, kindly explain this to me. So, <clears throat> Uddhav is inquiring from the Supreme Personality of Godhead about the elements of material creation, which is actually analyzed in a branch of Sankha philosophy. The word Sankha literally means analytical study. It's coming from the word Sankha. Sankha means number. So counting uh, the numbers when you are analyzing the creation, and that is called Sankha philosophy. The Vedas have different branches of philosophy, predominantly, mainly six branches of philosophy, known as Sardarshan. Darshan, the word Darshan stands for philosophy. Darshan means philosophy. So there are six branches of philosophy in the Vedas. Those six branches are Purva Mimamsha, or karma mimamsha. It begins from there. The karma kanda section, jnana kanda section, and then that leads to the final conclusion of Vedantya, which concludes in bhakti. So this is the general analysis of the Vedic wisdom. The karma mimamsha or purva mimamsha, the preliminary conclusion deals with the karma kanda section. And it's simply the understanding is that as you act, as you sow, so shall you reap. As you act accordingly, you'll get the result. You act in a wrong way, you will suffer. You act in a right way, you will enjoy. So that is a simple consideration of karma kind action reaction principle and then it leads to ganakanda the ganakanda generally deals with the four branches of philosophy and starting with naya vaisheshika sankhya and yoga it's gradually actually Say here the description is of the Sankha philosophy. In Bhagavad Gita also Krishna dealt with the Sankha philosophy briefly, analyzing the material nature with eight considerations. Bhumi, Rapo, Anada, Vayu, Kham, Mano, Buddhi, Devacha, Ahankara, Itiyamme, Vinna, Prakriti, The material nature is 
comprising of earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and falsely. With these eight elements, material nature has been composed of. But then Krishna is making one point that aparayamitastannam, this material nature uh, is apara, my separated energy. But prakriti vidhi mepara, understand that there is a reality, there is a nature which is beyond this material nature and which is superior nature of mind, prakriti vidhi mepara. And jiva bhutan mahavaho the living entities are coming from that superior internal potency of Krishna. So in this way, we uh, Krishna is establishing that the material nature is composed of eight elements. And beyond that, there is a spirit soul. <coughs> and here, Krishna is bringing in uh, few other considerations, 17 other considerations. The 17 other considerations are the five uh, working senses and five knowledge acquiring senses. Five, working, five knowledge acquiring senses are eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and touch, skin. And five knowledge acquiring senses are, I'm sorry, five working senses are speech, hands, legs, anus, belly, and genitals. So, uh, I'm sorry, uh, not uh, pani, bak, pani, pai, here. The hands, the leg has been included here. Speech, leg, uh, hands, pani, payu, anus, belly, so that makes it uh, five. And then uh, there are five uh, objects of the senses. The five objects of the senses are the sound, form, touch, taste, and smell. The three, the five, L five senses interact with the five elements, and as a result of that, the five objects of the senses are generated. The eyes interact with fire; form is produced. Air inter skin interacts with air; touch is produced. Ether interacts with ears; sound is. What uh, uh, tongue interacts with water, taste is produced, and nose interacts with earth, and smell is produced. So in this way, there are five objects of the sense. Now in this analysis, Krishna uh, did not include the intelligence. Uh, like he considered the eight elements, mind, intelligence, and false ego, 
three subtle elements. Instead of this three, uh, Krishna included the mind and falsity. So, the what is uh, came in, in in state of intelligence is prakriti nature, then mahatattva, then Krishna himself, the supreme personality of Godhead, and then three modes of material nature: mode of goodness, mode of passion, mode of ignorance. So, in this way, we can see that twenty-eight elements we found and so Sankha ultimately the, the way it develops the normal Sankha philosophy the atheist the theistic Sankha there are two types of Sankha philosophy one is the atheistic and the other is the theistic Sankha the atheistic Sankha actually do not consider the existence of the Supreme Personality of God. They simply analyze with the 24 considerations and that is, their, that is their understanding. This material nature is composed of 24 considerations. But then they, have, they can't help but consider that these 24 considerations are objective but the object cannot exist without the subject. The observed object must have an observer. If the observer <coughs> is not there, then the objects cannot exist. So who is the observer? The self is the observer. I am the observer. So in this way they at the most go into the acceptance of the spirit soul. But the Vaishnava Sankha conclusion is that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the source of all the souls. The souls are there. The souls are many and minute. Minute and many. So anything that is minute and many must have an origin, a source. So who is the source of that? All the spirit souls? The Supreme Soul. That is the Supreme Personality of God. In this way, uh, Sankha is actually transcending the material nature and establishing the existence of the soul and the Supreme Personality of God or the Super Soul. So the understanding of the Super Soul is that that super soul has to be understand, understood by the internal quest, internal search. Because by this external search, we go only to analyze the, at the most, analyze the material nature and understand the existence of the soul. But the, un, to understand the supreme soul or the super soul, one has to go internally. Example is Brahma when he first appeared, he made an extensive search externally, but he couldn't come to, the, come to understand himself, who he was, where he came from, and what is the purpose of his existence. This Brahma Jigasa, he couldn't 
find the answer to. Therefore, the Lord instructed him through the clashing of the waves that produced the sound, tapaha, that inspired Brahma to go inside, go within. And when Brahma went within, or tried to go within, then he heard the sound of the flute of Krishna, which manifested in the form of Gayatri. And he meditated on the Gayatri mantra. And as a result of that, he perceived the Supreme Personality of God in the core of his heart. And that, that led to perceiving Golok Vrindavan, which has been described in Brahma Samrita. Brahma saw Krishna face to face in the spiritual sky. And the description of the spiritual sky was that Chinta Mani It is a world full of variety and beauty. That place is made of chintamani. The trees there are not ordinary trees. They are just they are cultivations, desirable fruit trees. Krishna is tending cows there. They are not ordinary cows. They are surabhi cows. And Lakshmi Shahasrasatasamramasimbhavana. Hundreds of thousands of Lakshmis are serving him with great honor. So that is the spiritual sky. And the journey to the spiritual sky is not an external journey, it is an internal journey. And that is how it leads to yoga. And when one achieves the perfection of yoga, then he sees the Lord in the heart. When it reaches the core of his heart through proper process of Ashtanga Yoga, it's an arduous process, it's a very, very difficult process, but still, when one achieves this perfection, then he sees the Supreme Personality of God in the heart, the Lord in the heart. A minute jiva soul sees the supreme soul, supreme personality. And then naturally his head bends down in surrender to him. It is a natural tendency of an inferior when he comes across a superior, he surrenders to him. So this surrender, sharanagati or property, leads to the final destination or final process of bhakti. So in this way you can see that how uh, it has been, the journey has been described in a very systematic way and that bhakti is leading to uttarvimamsha or final and this final conclusion of Uttar Vimansha is Vedanta. 
Vedanta has been expanded in the form of Srimad Bhagavatam. As they gave the Vedanta Sutra as the ultimate, and then he himself analyzed that ultimate through the, his own commentary. And that commentary is Srimad And here we are seeing the Bhagavatam is leading to the perfect understanding. The Bhagavatam is Krishna himself. The twelve cantos of Bhagavatam are the twelve limbs of Krishna's body. The first two cantos are his lotus feet. The third and fourth canto are his thighs. Fifth canto is his abdomen. Sixth canto is his chest. Seventh and eighth cantos are his arms. Ninth canto is his neck. And the tenth canto is his smiling lotus face. The personality is perceived mainly through his face. So understanding of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is in the tenth canto. But Prabhupada warned us, don't jump to the face. Start from the feet. When you are seeing, the, when you are observing the Supreme Personality of God, we must start to see Him from His feet and then gradually we should rise. Otherwise, we may fail to recognize Him. Then the eleventh canto is His forehead and the twelfth canto is His head. This is how the transcendental body of the Supreme Personality of God is has been revealed through the twelve candles of Srimad And <clears throat> Bhagavatam is a Mahapurana. The Lakshan, the symptom of Mahapurana uh, must have ten characteristics. Atra, Sarva, Vishargasya, Sthana, Poshanam, Utaya, Manantara Ishanukatha Mukti Nirodha Ashraya. This Bhagavatam deals with Sarga, creation, preliminary creation, the creation that came from Vishnu, Mahavishnu, and also Garbhudakshay Vishnu. And then Visha, the secondary creation. Sthana, uh, the situation of the planetary system. Poshanam, the way the Lord is maintaining everything. That has been described. Uh, Utayo, the tendency to procreate, tendency to create. Manvantara, the descriptions of the reigns of different Manus. Ishanugatha, the descriptions of the activities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in different incarnations. Then Mukti, liberation. Nirodhu, cessation of material existence. That, that follows liberation. And Ashraya. And this word, this, this aspect, Ashraya, Prabhupada translated as Samambonam. Although literally the word ashraya means shelter. 
the supreme shelter of everything is the supreme personality of God. So that is the most important aspect of this Bhagavad Purana, Mahapurana. Krishna is the ultimate source of everything. Krishna is the supreme creator. Krishna is the supreme maintainer. Krishna is also the supreme annihilator, supreme destroyer. So Krishna is the ultimate consideration of entire Vedic understanding. Krishna himself said, in all the Vedas, I alone am to be known. And when we reach that, and we then we learn to re-establish our relationship with him. So that's how yoga is actually leading. When we want to achieve the perfection of yoga, then automatically it, uh, he reaches the process of establishing relationship with him through love, through loving devotional service. In this way, you can see that the perfection of knowledge is in Srimad Thank you very much. Glorious to Shri. Yeah. Does anybody have any question or comment? Yes. <laughs> Hi, Krishna. Um, Thank you very much, Mahārāj. Have you died? I am fast. Um, we've learned from Bhagavad Gita and other places how this world is a reflection of the spiritual world. Now, as we were describing in the verse, there's so many ways of analyzing this world for different components. What is, what is the relationship? Because we understand there's, there's spiritual earth, there's spiritual water, and all of these things. So, what is the difference between how that works in the spiritual world and how it works here? We have table made of earth and things like that. How is the relationship? Yeah. The difference between Spiritual and material is when Krishna is the center, it is spiritual. When we are the center, it's material. <laughs> so yes, everything is there. When we try to use it in, for our sake, for our sense gratification, that is material. But when the same elements, when the same objects, are utilized or engaged in Krishna's service, it is spiritual. Like there, everything is there. But there, everything is being used in Krishna's sake, for Krishna's sake, for Krishna's pleasure. But here, we are getting the reflection, that is, we are getting an impression that we can utilize them for our self-gratification, but it never works. Just like seeing a beautiful plate of prasad <coughs> in a reflection, you cannot possibly satisfy your stomach. <laughs> so material nature is a reflection. That is, it appears to be there, but actually it is not there. 
the possibility seems to be there, but it doesn't work. Uh, we are trying to enjoy, but we are never satisfied. Rather, the more we try to enjoy, the more we end up suffering. So that is the difference between spiritual reality and material reflection. Yes, <coughs> Krishna Chaitanya. You mentioned that to understand the super soul, we have to look internally. Because that because we're covered in the, in the spiritual world now, internal and external is in the original position of the spiritual world. So really, at the point of Lord Brahma, he too had to look internally and understand the Lord. If you're back in your spiritual position, then you're not really, internal becomes external, or they're the same, or because it's no longer, you're not in the material world anymore, you're in the spiritual world. Yeah, yeah, very good. You see, uh, Krishna is with the living entity, especially when the living entity leaves him. Krishna accompanies him. Just like a father, the son may leave the father, little child, says, I want to be on my own. I want to go to the park and I want to play with my friends. So father says, okay, go. But he goes with him. And while the child is playing in the park, in the, in the field, the father is sitting by a, sitting on a bench and watching the son. And he is letting him play, play with your friends. But then when it becomes dark and when it starts to, uh, his friends, all friends leave, then he becomes afraid and calls out, Daddy, Daddy, where? Then the father comes and picks him, and picks him home. So super soul, Krishna, when he, we have rejected him, and we are trying to play in this material nature uh, with our friends, <laughs> then Krishna is just watching us, our activities. In a, from the material context, he is the Upadrashta and Anumanta. He is the witness and he is the approval. Sanction. He is sanctioned. Approval. But the way a living entity turns towards him, Daddy, Daddy, where are you? Then Krishna comes up. So, in actually, Krishna is not just an Upadrashta and Anumanta as the super. Krishna is going with the living entity for this to see when the living entity is going to turn his face towards him. Krishna is just waiting for that moment. The moment the living entity turns towards him, Krishna just says, come, come in. Back, back home. So that is the, you see the super soul is as long as we are looking away from Krishna, towards the material nature, trying to enjoy. But the moment we try turn our face towards Krishna, then he is not the super soul anymore. He is Shyamam Trivanda Lalitam Niyat 
gives Krishna the three the the, the personality, the all attractive supreme personality of Godhead, who plays his flute in Vrindavan, triumphant, drowning every living entity, drowning all his devotees in an ocean of ecstasy. It's only a matter of his turning our face towards him. And he, that's why Prabhupada said, you take one step, Krishna will take hundred steps, thousand steps, million steps to come and pick you up. So all we have to do is just take that one step towards him and Krishna will do the rest. Yes, Mahatma Prabhu. Thank you for visiting. Thank you. For taking the time out of the schedule. In philosophical terms, why does uh, why does existence of an object necessitate necessitates existence of the subject, as you mentioned in the beginning of your presentation? Yeah. Because an atheist could <coughs> could argue that it's only a bunch of objects. Okay. When I am asleep, does this world exist? When you are asleep, does this world ex does this world exist? Yes, it does. Is it? Yes. I sure. Yes. <laughs> okay. Next time, when you fall asleep, I'll go and ask you. <laughs> you're asking me right now. But you're not asleep now. You're awake. That's the difference. I'm saying when you're asleep, when you're unconscious. When you are, that means when you are not here, does this world exist to you? No. Okay. Can I argue? So, <laughs> well, if you want, you can. The point is that unless the object, unless the subject is here, you see, for example, the material nature uh, becomes unmanifest. Material nature has two aspects of existence, bhyakta and object. Manifest and unmanifest. When is the material nature unmanifest? Material nature is unmanifest when Krishna turns his glance away from the material nature. When Krishna withdraws his glance, material nature is object, unmanifest. When Krishna casts his glance, material nature is manifest. And what happens through Krishna's glance? When Krishna glances, the living entities are projected into the material nature. And it is through the material nature, it is through the living entities that the material nature becomes active and manifest. And when all the living entities are withdrawn from the material nature, material nature goes into a state of unmanifest. So, I joined this club a long time ago, so I agree, but... But if I place myself in the position of an, of an empiric observer, here I am. Again, who is the observer? As you said, the empirical observer. Who is the observer? That object observer is the subject. I. Yes. And somebody has to be here to witness this material nature. Okay, but still, like, for example, there is this is again another philosophical term. 
a beautiful flower bloomed on top of Mount Everest where there is no one to see it. Does the flower exist? Because no one is there to witness it. Yes. Who knows but it whether it's there or not? But it does exist. That's the thing. Because No, it doesn't exist. Because no one is there to witness. Who is going to come and tell you there whether it exists? Does huh, the reporter of Time magazine with a photograph, with a camera, <laughs> when he goes there, he takes the photograph and broadcasts this in uh, Facebook? Yes, <laughs> then everybody sees it. That's, that's exactly, that's exactly what, the, what the Buddhists say, and I, I disagree with you. That's why they are, if you, that's why their thing, that's why Shankaracharya came and <laughs> defeated them, drove them out of India. Yeah, but that's what they say. That's they what say exactly say. what you said. That if the tree fell down, if no one was there to witness it, did it fall down? But the first thing, the sentence goes, if the, the tree fell down and no one was there to see, did it fall down? So first you, first the statement was there, that it fell down. Oh, well, well keep on speculating for 25 million years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good argument. Okay, yes. but, but so go ahead. If you wanted to be do it. But still, still if I mean if I'm to meet a professor at UCLA, professor of biology or physics or one of these analytical brains, um, and if I'm to make a statement that existence of an object necessitates existence of a subject, <coughs> I mean I better have some Okay, then my response to that will be a blind man, no matter how analytical a brain he has, will he ever be able to see? Huh? A person who is blind, no matter how analytical, how sharp a brain he has, will it, be, will it enable him to see the sun? No. That's their problem. They may have a very intelligent brain, but they don't really have the vision to see. That's the problem. But everyone out there says that... Like the example can be given, the camera can take pictures, so camera can take a picture, then even if it sees a red color, it can print out a little thing saying, I saw red color, but did it really see anything? Because uh, camera can take pictures, but then it needs a person to see the picture. Camera doesn't see and, 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 and and the, and, the, and the materialistic Sankhites, meaning biologists, physicists, and chemists, they'll say that's exactly what's happening. You are just a machine. What's your response? Yeah, it's but a machine with a soul. Yeah, but the, without the conscious so layer. What's the a machine, machine without a driver, can it run? A car without a driver, no matter how sophisticated it is, will there it ever drive? Car, there is a car that drives without a person. There may be a remote control, uh, somebody is controlling, so there has to be a controller. But the, the person you call a controller is also... Anyway, the thing is that, you know, uh, if they want to come and want to argue, let them do that. Uh, but Martin, it's not, it's not argument, it's a good question. <laughs> so, even if it does... Because, hang on, hang on. Because, I mean, let's say... Tell me, what's the benefit of this discussion? You said that you joined the club. 
And do you want to leave the club? No. Okay. <laughs> then what are you going to gain out of it? You know, they, you see, a person has a misconception. If you know that it is wrong, why are you going to waste your time in trying to prove that that is right? That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to justify their misconception. Which will never work. No, but I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to just. Then what are you trying to do? Please tell me. <laughs> if, if I'm approached with that question, and if I myself don't have an answer to it, then I should give it some credibility, unless I want to. No, you have the answer. You have the, the answer is very simple: that the object cannot exist. Either. Isn't Krishna the supreme observer? He's observing everything. Fine. Fall, or, hold on. A rock falls on, on, in a mountain somewhere. Yeah. No one's there, but Krishna sees it, so it still exists. That's, yeah. That's that's fine. That is fine. But the thing is, no, the point actually is to that. At some point, Krishna is also not the observer. He withdraws his glance. Well, then you have the annihilation. That's exactly. That's the point. So ultimately, there has to be an observer. His point is that the object can exist without the observer. But you're pointing out that, okay, there may not be an individual living entity as an observer. Krishna is the observer. But at some point, Krishna also will not be an observer. Then, the material nature will become unmanifest. So that means material nature will not exist. But if a tree falls in the forest and there's no person around, and forget the insects, it still fell and it's still a sound made because Krishna saw it and Krishna heard it. Well, I mean, when you want to look at it from that point of view, when you want to look at it from that point of view, then we can see the tree is tree also is a spirit soul. Right? Tree itself is experiencing that I fell. <laughs> so yes. it say ouch. <laughs> and it said it says crash. <laughs> Yes, they are real only as long as it is manifest. Yes. When it is unmanifest, then all the forms will disappear. All the elements will disappear. Everything will merge into just, you know, prakriti. Only thing that will exist prakriti and the modes, and nothing else will exist. Can I add something to it, Mark? So he won't answer his own question now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I mean, there, there ought to be, I mean, absolutely, there ought to be a way from my empirical point of view. Let's say I'm just a, someone who's developing initial interest in Krishna consciousness, and I have this question. And if someone tells me that the answer is, you subscribe to my club, and in due course you will understand. That's the same thing that every single group out there tells me. So there's got to be an empirical way for transcendence fine, to communicate over to me. But you have your intelligence to figure out which one is the That's why I'm asking this question. Yes. And I was told, Maharaj. The thing is that, you know, and the function of intelligence 
is to figure out what's right and what's not right. Correct. So now you use your intelligence and figure out which which concept makes the most sense. Yes. So do that. Yeah, and that's why to me the the existence of an object, <coughs> the statement that the existence of an object necessitates existence of a subject. Um, I would see that necessity in the form of objective, uh, objective morality. Can I say something at this point? Yes. Well, the choice is yours, right? You can analyze the whole material nature in 24 considerations as the Sankhas did, right? Now the question is, do you want to go into the 25th consideration or not? Do you want to or not? Or do you want to leave it at 24? If you want, you can just leave it at that. No one is trouble, going to trouble you. Because some people are just so averse to, you know, passing beyond that point, and they limit themselves to to empirical tools. And so that's the thing, you know. Like, and then when you come to twenty-fifth, then also you, the option is open to you. Do you want to consider the twenty-sixth consideration that all the living entities have an origin? Yes. 